Hi there. Welcome to Liquidation Preference, the podcast that discusses everything founders need to know about startup law and venture capital over a beverage of our choosing. I'm your host, Andrew Kusmal, and I'm glad you stopped by for a quick drink. Today, we will be discussing accelerators while I get energized from a coffee beer. So grab a drink, pull up a seat, and let's get into it. Today's episode is brought to you by Kusmal Legal, the law firm dedicated to helping founders navigate the legal process of starting, running, and fundraising for a startup. Head on over to kusmallegal.com, that's K-U-S-S-M-A-U-L legal.com, to read great material tailored for founders and get help with all your startup's legal needs. I chose a coffee beer for today's discussion because one, it tastes great, and two, it gives you a kick of caffeine. It's very similar to accelerators. An accelerator's whole intent is to spur your startup to the next level, and great ones are very satisfying. It's not uncommon for many early stage startups to join or consider joining an accelerator. In fact, I've had many clients join accelerators after they've developed their MVP or raised a small amount of financing. So what is an accelerator? Well, an accelerator is a program that's designed to, one, mold your startup into a functional company, and two, fast track it to your first major round of financing. As I mentioned earlier, most startups who join accelerators have some form of an MVP. They've either either started it or they've completed it. Accelerators really are not for startups who have no MVP and are maybe stuck in the idea stage. If you are stuck in the idea stage there and are looking for ways to get your startup off the ground, then your best bet is to go with an incubator or even better, just finding a really good mentor in your local startup community who can help point you in the right direction. Now, accelerators only let in a select number of startups at a time, and they call them a cohort. The accelerator program typically lasts around three months, and it pairs the cohort members with advisors, mentors, support staff, legal support, anything that a company needs to be successful. The main idea behind an accelerator is pairing the startup with those resources I just listed to be able to fast track them to their first round of financing. I mentioned that earlier. Essentially, it's compressing in a year's worth of organic growth in three months. The quality accelerators with quality staff not only help the startup grow, but they also challenge the founders on every aspect of the business. In fact, I've had several clients make at least one pivot in in an accelerator, and I think that's pretty much the norm and something to be expected. As I mentioned earlier, the ultimate goal is to get the startup investor ready. Now, that may sound a little shallow to some people, but you're not seeing the bigger picture here. An accelerator helps get the company to a level that it needs to be to be successful. This means they verify that they have product market fit and they have a comprehensive and comprehensible plan. Now, this is something that any investor wants to see. The whole program culminates in what's called a pitch event or a demo day, which we're going to touch on here in a little bit. You may be thinking to yourself, that sounds really great. I'm going to be getting all this, re, all these resources and advice for, well, I don't want to say free, but you may be thinking, well, what does the accelerator get out of it? What do they want? 
Well, what they want is equity in the form of either a safe agreement, like we talked about last week, or some form of light preferred stock, which is typically called a grant. The competent accelerators purchase this grant, i.e. they're investing in your startup. And it's not uncommon for many startups first investor to actually be the accelerator. The less reputable accelerators will state that the value you're receiving from their program is enough to satisfy the amount of the grant or the amount of the equity that they want in your company. Others who might be still less reputable, but maybe a little smarter, try to hide the ball with credits. I actually had one client who got accepted into an accelerator in Europe. And when I was going over the grant documents with them, I noticed this credit language in there. And instead of injecting actual cash, the accelerator was providing a certain amount of credits to a suite, a program for developing code. I mentioned this to my client and really told them, you know, this is a little odd and unusual, but really it's up to you to decide on whether those, the amount of those credits they were giving you is worth it. Fortunately, they decided it wasn't and they moved on to another accelerator. Now, some founders out there may be comfortable with some of those scenarios we just described with like the credits, for example. But it's really important that before you join and sign any documents that you discuss any sort of grant terms with your attorney. The reason being is because that grant, that investment, those credits, let's say, that some of them try to push on you, usually come with strings attached to them. And those strings are certain investor rights. Typically, the investor rights that you see requested in these uh, arrangements with accelerators are participation rights, information rights, and non-dilutive rights. Let's dive into each one here a little bit. Participation rights give the accelerator the chance to participate in the next round of financing to maintain their percentage equity in your company. Let's say they have a 2% interest in your company and you raise your Series A. If you're a hot startup and you're attracting a bunch of investor attention and funds, they're really going to want to be able to participate in that round so they can maintain that 2% so they don't get diluted into nothingness by all the amounts of money that you're about to receive from bigger investors writing bigger checks. Now, information rights, we touched on those a little bit last week, and they're pretty self-explanatory. These rights compel your startup to give the accelerator certain status updates, financials, plans, budgets, you name it. The reasoning behind this is because, one, the accelerator wants to make sure that your startup is on track. Two, they want to make sure that their investment is sound. And three, they want to be there to be able to help you if you need it. And I really feel that's one thing that a lot of founders forget. It's very easy to view investors as a checkbook, but most investors have years worth of experience. And you'd be a fool not to tap into that if you're stuck somewhere and you need help. The last one, non-dilutive rights, is one that you really need to watch out for. It can be a little nuanced and very tricky. The non-dilutive rights typically state that the accelerator has to be trued up for any issu issuances of equity 
after theirs. And trued up means you have to give them the amount of equity at no cost to get them back to the level that they were at. Let's say it's 2%. Their reasoning behind this is that they do not want to be diluted by grants to the founders or friends and family of the founders after they're issued their shares. Now, reputable accelerators put a time limit, a funding limit, or both on this term. I typically see the time limit being two years from the date of the grant, the funding limit being like $250,000 in a preferred round of financing. If they're using both, then it's whichever one happens first. It's also important that there's a carve out in there that states the non-dilutive rights do not apply when it's associated with any future round of financing. Now, this is perfect because when you obviously you're raising another round of financing, everybody who owns stock before that financing, after the financing, they're going to be you know, diluted. If there was not that carve out in there, then after the financing, you would have to give equity for free to the accelerator so they can maintain their certain percentage. Again, let's say 2%. They also need to have a carve out in there too that states they that the rights will not kick in for dilution in regards to a truing up of the employee option pool. Now, before you go through your Series A financing, you're going to either increase or create your employee option pool, which is going to dilute everyone. I actually had a client who applied to an accelerator that had non-dilutive rights in it that lasted in perpetuity. There were no carve-outs. There were no limits like I just described. And essentially, once they raised their Series A, like I mentioned earlier, they'd have to give this accelerator free equity. I strongly advise my client not to join that accelerator, and I'm happy to say that they didn't. It's important to note about these terms that most of them with accelerators are on a take-it-or-leave-it basis. However, it does not hurt to try to get some of them amended or changed, and your startup attorney can be able to help you with that. I've personally had some success in amending or changing some of these, especially the non-dilutive rights, but nothing is guaranteed and it's accelerator dependent. I'm sure you've noticed so far that I've had some subtle distinctions between high quality and inadequate accelerators. It's important for you to know that some accelerators are better than others. And while the reasons are numerous, you know, I can let you know that there are a few red flags for me that when I see them, I have to notify my clients that you might want to think about joining a different accelerator. The first one is the accelerator not purchasing the grant. The second one is onerous terms in the grant. And the third is missing some of those carve-outs or those time limits that we just previously talked about in the non-dilutive rights. So with that being said, how do you choose the right one? Well, I find it's very useful to view accelerators as a college. You need to approach them and vet them like you would a college. You know, typically for a college, you're determining what its reputation is. You're visiting the campus. You're maybe meeting some of the professors or sitting in on a class or two. And then also you're talking to former or current students to get their opinion of the college. You should be doing the exact same thing for the accelerator that you want to join. Request to tour the facilities where you're going to be staying for the next three months. Request to get a list of the mentors and the advisors or maybe able to meet a few of the mentors and advisors. 
ask them how many startups that graduated their program went on to raise successful rounds of financing. And most important, ask for a list of CEOs from startups that graduated their program so you can contact them and get their unfiltered advice on the accelerator and if it was beneficial to them or not. If you get any pushback from an accelerator on any of those requests, I'm not going to say if you get pushback on one or two, because it really just depends on what the accelerator wants to do. But if you're getting pushback on all the requests, then you should view that as a red flag and a sign that you should move on to another accelerator. At the end of the day, you should base your decision on what the accelerator has to offer, not that initial grant amount, which comes with a very low valuation. I know a lot of people, like I said, the accelerator is sometimes their first investor and you're cash strapped and you see that they're going to invest $125,000 in your startup. It's very tempting to take that, but you need to look at the other aspects of the accelerator before you join. I mean, just like with a, a good college, a good accelerator will leave your startup with a solid foundation and the skills needed to be successful. I mentioned earlier that the accelerator program ends with a pitch event or a demo day. This is the pinnacle event of any accelerator and one that the founders probably look forward to the most. This is where you're able to finally get in front of a room full of investors and pitch your startup to them. However, you need to be very careful with how the accelerator handles it. This warning is coming from your good old friend, uh, Securities Law. And if you do need a drink, take one now. I need a little bit more caffeine before we talk about this. You need to be careful because one of the main pillars of securities laws is a prohibition on public solicitation of investments in a company. A pitch event that is publicized on your accelerator's social media pages is deemed to be a mass public solicitation and one that falls under the purview of the SEC. Their whole goal is to prevent quote unquote retail investors from being scammed. And if your accelerator has gone through the, I don't want to say the trouble, but has blasted out that you're going to be in a pitch event and you get up on stage and you start talking about investment terms, then you can guarantee that that's going to be considered a mass solicitation. And it's really going to hinder which exemptions you can use for any raises that come after the pitch. Now, just a quick securities law 101. When you're selling any sort of equity in a company to investors, by default, it has to be a public company. That means an IPO, audited financials, the whole shebang costs a lot of money, right? However, there are exemptions for private companies. And those exemptions state that you do not have to go that route of becoming a public company so long as you do X, Y, and Z. Now, there is an exemption that allows for a public solicitation of investment. However, all the investors who invest in your company have to be accredited. And this really puts the onus on your startup and more specifically you and your attorney to comb through the financial records, tax returns, and any other information needed 
to confirm the accredited status of the investors who invested in your startup after this pitch event that was so widely publicized. Now, that being said, there is a very narrow way out. If the accelerator that publicized this pitch event to anyone and everyone took steps to ensure that those who were invited were accredited investors and that they actually had former relationships with members of the cohort, then you're going to be fine. There's going to be more exemptions offered to you. However, that's highly unlikely that they're doing that, especially if they're calling the event a pitch event. And that leads me to my second point, which is the naming of the event. Of the event. When you name something a pitch event, the general expectation is that you're going to be getting up there and you're going to be talking about investment terms, how much you're looking to raise, what you're going to be raising under a convertible note or safe. The great accelerators or the ones who know what they're doing call these events demo days. Now, a demo day is different than a pitch event. In a demo day, you're actually just getting up there to talk about your startup and the services you offer. There are no discussion of any terms. The good accelerators know this and instruct you, or they should instruct you on what you can and can't say. To sum up, I hope I was able to convey to you that not all accelerators are created equal. There are ones that know what they're doing and there are others that don't. And I feel it's really important for you to understand that before you go down this journey of looking to join an accelerator, especially since now it seems like everybody and their dog has one. If you have any doubt about joining an accelerator, definitely trust your gut, but also feel free to ask your startup attorney. They've seen accelerators of all type and they're able to offer you sage advice on the accelerator you're looking at joining. Well, I wish I could order another round with you, but unfortunately, it's time to go. If you'd like to learn more about what was discussed today, head on over to my blog at Kusmal Legal. That's K-U-S-S-M-A-U-L legal.com. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Tech Startup Attorney. That's attorney spelled A-T-T-Y on Clubhouse at Startup Attorney, and on Instagram at Startup underscore Attorney. I hope you enjoyed our time together, your beverage of choice, and that you learned something useful. More importantly, I hope you enjoyed this much-needed break from running your startup. Being a founder is stressful, and it's important to take breaks every once in a while. While you're always taking care of your startup, you shouldn't forget to take care of yourself. See you next time. Everything discussed in this episode is purely educational in nature and should not be interpreted in any way as legal advice specific to your startup. If you have any questions about what was discussed on today's show and how it pertains to your startup or situation, please consult with your legal counsel.